You're listening to 3CR Radio. Russian newspaper Nevaeh Gazeta has published the names of 27 men believed to have been executed by Chechen security forces in January. And on the line we have Adam Pulford from Pink Wolves. Welcome, Adam. Thanks for having me. Adam, there are mixed reports that all of the men killed in Grozny on the 26th of January were gay. What do we know about what happened? You're right, there are mixed reports. Um, We've heard from advocates from the Russian LGBT network that some of the men, um, of the 27 men who were named in the paper, were gay, but it's unclear if all of them were gay or if they were specifically targeted because of their sexuality. However, human rights advocates are saying that these uh, killings are extrajudicial. They uh, happened without a trial and indicative of uh, this broader horrific events that are happening um, in Chechnya under the the rule of the leader, Ramzan uh, Kadyrov. It's striking that there's been so little international outrage from governments about these executions. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's it's really disheartening that uh, a lot of leaders haven't spoken up both about these particular reports, but also about the reports that we heard just over 100 days ago now, that over 100 men Uh, gay and bisexual men in Chechnya had been rounded up, captured, put into torture camps, and some even killed because of their sexuality. Uh, I'm not sure why people aren't speaking up. It might be because they they feel that they don't have enough information or that their communities don't care enough about it. I've been disappointed that our Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, has remained silent on the issue And I think part of our role as community members who care about people and who feel empathy for people being targeted because of their sexuality, it's our responsibility to speak up and force our leaders to take action. The Russian LGBTI rights network says that Chechen authorities have recommenced rounding up gay men. Are you anticipating more executions? Yeah, so since June 24th when Ramadan ended, the Russian LGBT network has said they've received about 10 calls. They've felt that since the international outcry from a number of leaders, including the German Chancellor Angela Merkel and the French President Emmanuel Macron, they both spoke up and called on Vladimir Putin to end the targeting of gay and bi men in Chechnya. They believe that those in that international pressure caused the, the targeting of gay and bi men to stop. But since June 24th, it seems to have started up again. So uh, there is a risk that more gay and bi men will be captured, will be tortured and potentially even killed. There are reports, uh, apart from these 27 men who have been reported recently, there's reports that six uh, men have been killed because they were gay or bi. The way I see it is that, you know, if international pressure worked originally, uh, we need to cause more international pressure to get them to stop again. The Russian government says it notes the reports of the executions and also notes the Chechen government's denials and says there's no evidence the killings occurred despite the 27 men vanishing. Is that code for it happened but you'll never be able to prove it? Yeah, there have been conflicting reports all along from different authorities in Chechnya and Russia saying things like, well, gay men don't exist in Chechnya so this isn't happening and then saying, well, we're telling family members of gay and bi men to kill kill your gay sons or we'll do it for you. So it's been really unclear what their approach will be. Vice News went and spoke to the, 
person in charge of protecting human rights in Chechnya, and they've they've released footage of that meeting online, and it's really harrowing because they're there talking to this woman who is in charge of protecting human rights in Chechnya, and she's flipping through this book saying, oh, well, no one's come to me and said that they've had a problem, so this isn't definitely isn't happening and would definitely help them if they did come to us. The journalist asked her, why would anyone come to you when it's the authorities that are, that are targeting people, that are capturing them and that are even killing them? Amnesty International says Chechen security forces enjoy complete impunity when they carry out illegal executions and torture. How far does accountability for these executions go, do you think? Does it go all the way to the top, to the leader of Chechnya? It's hard to say. In Chechnya, uh, homosexuality is viewed as a bit of a stain on a whole family. So culturally, many people believe that homosexuality is wrong and the only way to clear that stain on a family is to kill the person who's believed to be gay or bi. So there are reports that family members are doing some of the killings, but there's also reports that authorities are, are rounding people up. I think ultimately, if the authorities in a country are taking actions like this, we have to hold our leaders accountable. And, you know, it's happening in the area that Kadyrov is governing over. So I believe we have to lay accountability at his feet. You organised the Pink Wolves rally in May to support queer Chechens. Are you planning any more activities? I think there's a few things that we can all do right now that can help um, have an impact in Chechnya. One is for us to wherever you are in, in Melbourne and in Australia, is to call on your local MP to speak out about what's happening in Chechnya and demand that our leaders join the, the foreign leaders that have spoken up. With Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull remaining silent so far, we need to pressure him to speak up and, and pressure Russian President, President Vladimir Putin to, to take responsibility and, and stop what's happening in Chechnya. Uh, so call your local MP and ask them to take action. We can also join... We can sign the petition from All Out, which is an international LGBTI um, organisation fighting for rights across the world. If you Google Turnbull, Chechnya and All Out, you can sign that petition and help add pressure on Malcolm Turnbull, not only to speak out, but also to open up Australia's arms and offer safety for queer men who remain in Chechnya, who remain in danger. Australia has an opportunity to provide safety to them and The final thing we can do right now is donate to the Russian LGBT network, which you can do online. They're evacuating gay and bi men out of Chechnya who are still in danger, and they're providing a service for people to report what's happening in Chechnya to them so they can help out. In terms of community actions, I think it's something we should look at. The the vigil was, was attended by over 600 people, and we got coverage by Triple J and by SBS News and It was a really powerful night and I think it meant a lot for people who were there. And given these latest reports that the capturings are continuing, we need to look at at doing something together again. Alan Pulford, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon on 3CR. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Pet Shop Boys with their classic, You're Always On My Mind. It is 4.21. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with the Vet and James. You are. And we are joined by two awesome guests in the studio. 
So Merciless Gods is a new queer play from the Little Ones Theatre and adapts a collection of short stories of the same name by Christos. I'm going to need help with the pronunciation. Chalkos. Chalkos. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for being with us. Hi. Hi. Okay, Thanks so Stephen, we'll start with you. What are some of the stories from Merciless Gods? Uh, is it all of the short stories that are in the book? Uh, so we've selected eight of the 14 or so short stories to present in the in the piece. Mm-hmm. They kind of range between works about uh, queer relationships, but also about, you know, motherhood, migration, and I guess also some of them are dealing with imprisonment and, and, and a lot of them are really focused on the Melbourne experience. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the the way we selected the, the, the stories. But one of them in particular is called the title story, Merciless Gods, is about a kind of hipster dinner party gone wrong um, that descends into a kind of dark and turgid place. Oh, <laughs> turgid. Yeah. So how do you structure it? Do you do you have the same actors in each yes. different short story and they're, they're perhaps, you know, a completely different and looking... Yeah character in the next short story yeah. is that how it works yeah so there's six six performers and they all kind of um rotate throughout the piece uh some of the scenes are monologues some of them are duos and then there are some that are sort of bigger ensemble scenes mm. um but yeah so you get to meet 21 characters actually over the course of the, the night but performed by six actors yeah um, I wanted to move straight to – I said I would start easy, but I'm not. I wanted to talk about depravity for a moment, okay. just in general, because <laughs> it's, it's my thing, yeah. Um, is Merciless Gods depraved? Um. <laughs> I just want just to, to open up – I have some follow-up questions. I guess it, de- it depends on what your definition of depraved is. I guess okay. I like to celebrate things that are a little bit transgressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the work is definitely uh, a transgressive piece, mm-hmm. uh, just purely based on the kind of way it presents certain psychologies and identities. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some might find it. Depraved. I uh-huh. kind of think that it's beautiful and yeah, ugly right. at the same time. Right. Yeah. Mm. Does that answer the question? It's it sort of yeah. I was. I guess I'm. I'm wondering how you, um, how conscious you can be of uh, an audience when you're creating a piece like this. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, how, how conscious are you in any of your audience in any? I, I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's tricky stuff. It's, mm. it's not a light read. No. Merciless Gods and having not seen um, the production yet, mm. um, I'm imagining it's quite confronting for uh, a lot of people. So I don't know. How do you work with something like that? Uh, do you want to answer that? Having Sakina? the audience in mind. <laughs> are your characters yes, deprived? Yes, right. <laughs> uh, look, I, th- I think. Because we're building on a foundation that already exists, which are the short stories, so I think I think we're really going for it, mm. actually, and just presenting the stories that we have selected and presenting them in the the best way that you know that, that, that gathers the essence of them and can present them in a live performance context. Mm. So yeah, we haven't shied away mm-hmm. from anything. I would say. Um, we certainly, I don't think, made any decisions on, oh, that might be too full on and let's not put that in the show. I, no. I we haven't done anything like that at all, actually. We've just mm-hmm. gone, well, you know, these are the stories. They're out there already. We're doing a selection of them. People will have a sense of what they are or maybe they won't, but 
merciless gods. The title says it all. Don't right. you think they're merciless? Do you have a favourite <clears throat> character that you play? And if so, who is it? That's good. That's a good oh, question. I have to say, I really love all my characters. There is one in particular that I that I, I really love. I mean, I'm not even sure. Do I want to yes. say what what the title? Um, they're an angel of death. Wow. Mm. Does it does it feel like they're your children or they're kind of like kindred spirits and so you don't want to play favourites with them? Is that why you hesitated before? No, I hesitated because I actually do have an affection for all of them. I think as an actor mm. you absolutely yeah. have to yeah. have an affection for all your characters. It's really – it's very difficult to play a character you don't like and I think that's actually what the transmission becomes is you, what people experience is your dislike for the character rather than your absolute, you know – Commitment. So when you dislike them, the yeah. portrayal is not convincing? Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. I think so. So I think you have to really love the characters you like. But also to answer what you said before, I think for me the characters in this are like facets of myself. Me, if I'd grown up in a particular time in a particular way with the different influences, I feel like they're different Sliding facets. doors. Yeah, sliding doors, right. absolutely. <laughs> Louvered not- windows, as my sister says, sliding doors, louvered windows. I'm sure what you would it? do a lot better job than uh, Gwyneth Paltrow did in the movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, God. I totally forgot about that movie. Yeah. Flashbacks. Uh, I don't blame you for forgetting. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. It's definitely not sliding doors. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about so the humour that's in the book, mm. the short stories. Um, I read somewhere that Christos is a, f- a fan of um, Kafka. Mm. And the couple of stories that I read, I could actually really see that influence. Ah, which one is in it? his you... work? Um, the one I've got the title of it, mm. the, the, where the father, <laughs> where a father comes across. Uh, I don't need. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, it's we're not, not doing that piece. So you oh, you're not it, doing yeah. that piece. A, oh, okay. So Jeanette, you know the red, yeah. where he's uh, the, the 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 sex tape mm. um, of his a tape of his son having sex with. Um, another guy. Oh yeah, and it's then... called Saturn Return. That right. Story. So that yeah. piece isn't in that oh. piece is in that sto- in in it, but um, that moment is not. Okay, it. right. Yeah. Well, that that moment for me, just mm. that kind of humour was very Kafka esque. Oh yeah. So have you tra- have you been able to translate? Um, you know, how have you worked with the humour that was in? Um. The well, book. Well, look, so the playwright, there's, a, there's a playwright adapting the stories to Dan Giovannoni, who's okay. written a script that really, because he's so fantastic with um, dialogue and humour, he's mm. really brought out a lot of that, the kind of grotesque comedy that's in the book. <laughs> um, and I think, um, yeah, for me I, as an artist, I'm really drawn to humour and I right. kind of, that is my entry point to a work. So even though we're dealing with incredibly serious content, like in the stories, the humour is actually celebrated a lot more. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. I would say. Like, oh. we really balance that, but the humour is, and the kind of sardonic, satirical nature of some of the stories too is being really pushed. Oh, great. Because yeah. yeah. I imagine some of them are rather confronting and there's an element of tragedy or depravity yeah. or just very confronting stuff. Mm. Do you use a lot of black humour? Yeah, it's very dark humour mm. and I think, you know, like my heroes are people like um, Daniel Waters who wrote Heathers and so like that's the kind of, like, that's the kind of dark <sighs> humour that I like 
to see in a work. But I also love camp and I also love melodrama. Camp's dark. Yeah, and our mode of art. Yeah, like uh, the way we've looked at the work and we've talked about it in the room has been it's Pedro Almodovar, but in Melbourne. Yeah. (laughs) So that's Mm. what we're playing with in terms of the humour. And I think it's worth just saying as well that the stories are not a direct adaptation okay. the the um as we present them they're not a direct adaptation as in oh, how can their I say responses it? to yeah. the stories some of them are you know really closely adapted and mm. some of them have been completely revisioned mm. like and, mm. and kind of reappropriated in some way um yeah so this is this is the first stage adaptation of merciless gods yeah right so how yeah. closely are you working with christos with this. <laughs> He's been the most generous, beautiful human oh. to, to, yeah, he has been in the room a lot. Because he loves theatre. He yeah. does. He loves theatre and he loves writing for theatre and he loves, um, yeah, the process. So he's been a part of the process for three mm. years with us on the development of it and with the playwright. And, you know, Sepita was in the original development in 2015. Um, and so Christos has been a guide for all of us to kind of, and a source Mm. Um, to find inspiration or to ask questions if things are not translating to the stage. Mm. He's been incredibly generous and incredibly open and very sensitive about, you know, not overstepping the mark in any way and giving Dan um, Giovanni the space to be able to lift a live performance text out of those mm. short stories mm. as well. Incredibly generous. I've been quite blown away, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a daunting task to like to translate <laughs> to bring the work of someone you admire for or you have admired for many years and be in the room with them and mm. put it in front of them in with with actors performing it like it's mm. it's really daunting but he's been just so amazing. Mm. Um, yeah. What's it like as an actor having Christos Cholkos there who wrote the book that yeah. you know probably <laughs> feels like you know those those children are in his those act those characters are in his womb if he had one. What's it like? <laughs> well, the first went on the first development that we did and Christos came in and I remember I was the first person who had to read yes. this particular story oh. and um and it was a complete reappropriation of the story as well. So I was a little bit like, okay, I'm up, all right. <laughs> so that was particularly daunting. But I just had to breathe and do what I do. And at the end of it, he just went, oh, my God, that's fantastic. I love what you've done with the text. And that, so for Dan, that was really fantastic as well. I love what you've done with the text. great for you. And it was great for me because I think, yeah, you know, I felt like I could deliver, deliver it in a way that was open enough for him to see what the – change was and, and where it might go as well in the future. Mm. So initially daunting, but because he was just so generous from the outset, it, it's been great. I really value mm. having him in the room whenever he's able to make it in. Mm. And he loves theatre, so he just mm. comes in with that vibe in the space as mm. well. well. I have a question about queer theatre. Queer mm. theatre. <laughs> so it's my understanding that it's it's always explored um, sexuality, but yeah. is it currently exploring issues of gender a little more? Do you mean as a kind of... Um, well, the, the removal of the gay-straight binary. Yes. Or even male-female. Right? I mm-hmm. think, yes. I think that's what mm. queer theatre is mm. f- actually focusing on. It is more mm-hmm. an exploration of gender and sexuality combined rather than, yeah, gay or straight or... Which mm. is, you know, like I feel like I that's agree. not the, the essence of it. Mm. Um, that... 
And there are so many companies that explore it in various different guises, you know, like mm. there are people like the rabble who have got a, a feminist queer point of view and theirs is more about the power of image and the like deconstruction of text and you know, so, so there's a kind of really robust queer theatre scene in Melbourne, mm. um, but I think yeah, it's its central focus is I think for me anyway, gender. Gender was that your goal when you created Little Ones Theatre? It sort of evolved from um, over the years, but that became what interested me because gender and performance are so linked, and mm-hmm. you can play with it in such a um, exciting way. Um, so it just it seemed like there's such there's a marriage between um, exploration of gender and theatricality. Yeah. Have so, you kind of filled the gap that's been left since Outcast Theatre Stephen Dawson went to London? I don't know. I, no, I, I don't know if I. Do you mean. Is like, there any comparison? Um, I'm not sure of the work. But Me neither, actually. To yeah, be honest, I've no. heard about Carcetta, but I am not sure. Of, I've not seen any He's of the work. He's done a lot of productions mm. um, for many years at Midsummer, mainly at the Mechanics Institute yes. in, mm-hmm. in Brunswick. So, yes. yeah, but um, there's not that many queer theatre companies in Melbourne. You've kind of you've kind of got a niche there happening, or, or am I completely wrong? Are there heaps, and I just don't know about? Them. I think that there is a really. Mm. Really full queer right. theatre scene at the right. moment, right? Absolutely. But, but that's you know that doesn't mean you know the very few production companies that focus specifically on queer productions like you guys do. Yeah, I mean, there's but there are mm. there are companies like the Rabble or Sisters Grimm, Sisters right. Grimm. for example, and there's some up and coming companies like Embittered mm. Swish, for example, as well, and lots of other makers that are emerging and making work that very much sits in that area. Right. As well, but I'm proud to be some, to be an artist that is a part of that. Yeah, and, and whether it's filling a gap or at least you know mm. creating opportunities as well. Um, that's, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because you know historically, uh, I, I'm not sure about theatre, but certainly in mm. film, mm. you know, it's mainly straight people that play gay people, and when yep. gay people get a gig, yeah. they're playing someone's you know devoted yeah. heterosexual husband yeah. or brother. Totally. Or, it's yeah. really problematic. It's really problematic, and that mm. happens a lot. And I think it happens a lot in theatre as well. So I'm really proud that there is quite a you know a growing queer performance scene in Melbourne as well that addresses those issues and actually just doesn't even address and just goes beyond them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what, Look, I've, what I've, is appropriate. I've got to ask you about your Iranian background because yeah. I'm fascinated by it and I imagine there's a very rich culture of, of theatre and certainly film in Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, how does your Iranian background influence your acting? Well, Does it? I think you're... <laughs> I mean, look, I came to Australia when I was three years okay. old. So I've grown up in Australia and not within Iranian community so much with my family very strongly and with some links. I mean, definitely I have um, cultural information embedded in my body, mm. um, but I've been quite Australianized, I would say. Uh, <laughs> Do so, you like Iranian films? Uh, yes, I absolutely love Iranian films, um, the ones that I've seen. I've seen quite a few of them. Um I think it's hard for me to address a question yeah, like that as well, to be quite honest yeah. with you, because yeah. it's not like I'm really up to date on what's happening in theatre in Iran. Or, yeah, yeah. And I was three when I came here. So, And I've also lived a lot in other places. I mean, I've lived here. I've also lived in the Netherlands and I've lived in the United States as well. So, you know, I, I have sort of a lot of other information that 
that informs me, yeah. Mm. I don't know how long we've got here, but I wanted to ask you, Stephen, before we head out. So I've, upon reading about you and your mm-hmm. history, you've, uh, Madonna's had quite an influence on you. <laughs> yeah, so as a, another yeah, racial, like I, my racial profile is I'm an Italian gay who loves okay. Madonna. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, I think, yes, she has. Okay, well, yeah. first question was, you yeah. know, how, like, why and how so, and I wanted to ask you as a second question, what do you make of all of her uh, political speeches of late. Because um, so, some are good and some are not well, so good. We, yeah. liked, we yeah. liked the one, the Billboard Woman of the Year one. We yeah. liked that. And I remember much. raving about that, but because she was so disappointing with that Trump speech, it's kind of just scarred me when it comes to Madonna. March, the mm. Women's March, yeah. What do you make of her new sort of... Because she didn't use, used to get political, really. Um, I guess, well, what I miss, what I love about her is... In the early days, her politics came out in her performances. Mm-hmm. In her great bras and, yeah, you know, her but... jewellery and, and, and her dance. And also, like, the placing mm. queer ideas into mm. the mainstream yeah. as well. Um, but, you know, like, the, yeah, it was more about the performance and the theatrical, actually. Right. But the person that you see now, I don't know who that is. I mean, that's another... Mm. Um, creature that has, that has been constructed from probably years of kind of feeling like they've been silenced. Um, and I don't know, there's mm. a whole kind of discourse about her and her age. And Yeah, so you, yeah. it's not a great, right, yeah. she does talk about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. You, you would too. Like, you know, if you're someone that revolutionised the kind of position and power of kind of sexuality for female or like, you know, female identifying people, mm. um and then suddenly your age becomes the focus of your work, it's yeah. kind of depressing. Yeah, whereas totally. where, where it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. for her contemporaries or male contemporaries. No. Um, yeah, or no. even even her, the generation above her. Mm. It's, not a, it's not an issue for them either. No. Mm. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by it, but I think, yeah, there's contradictions there too. So when you were younger, though, what, what was it about madonna that especially cut through like what well she gave me an example of the kind of sexuality i wanted to to experience Mm. as a young person Mm. so that's pretty amazing um like friends of ours often talk about the sex book being this kind of an incredible (laughs) gateway into a world did you you have a copy yeah you've got a copy i still got my copy you've got a copy i I had a copy i I gave it away but they were (gasps) why did you give it away because you know i didn't want any more but you know but they were each individually numbered Mm. And yeah. I loved that. I remember a friend of mine, another friend of mine, has a copy of it as well. Actually, mm. yeah. I've never actually held one in my hands ever. Right. Really? I've seen images. Well, yeah, because they've you know mm. I've seen the images of it. They've been put up all over the internet, but no, wow. I've, I've never known anyone to have a copy. And I'm in the presence of what all three of you have had one. I haven't <laughs> had one, but a really close friend of mine has a yeah. copy of it and got it as when it came out. And mm. Stephen's oh got a copy as I well. Used to, so. And when we, uh, I remember when I was at NIDA, we used to have drunken nights where people would come over and we would do readings of the sex book, <laughs> um, which was very fun. Wait, wait, sorry. So there's text. <laughs> yeah, there's stories. There's yeah. I did not yeah. know there were stories yeah, in it. I, I thought it was just imagery. No, I didn't no. know. She's a writer too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
Was it actually written by Madonna? Yeah, oh, look, uh, it's pretty bad, so you would assume, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she was in the photos. Mm. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. I, I remember know, I the photo of her <laughs> tongue kissing Naomi Campbell. That was oh, yeah. my favourite. That was so hot. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the one that really just sticks <laughs> not, in my... Not the one where she's covered in honey, suspended oh. over a, a body of water somewhere? Oh. Not that one? It was Naomi. There was just that whole kind of lesbian yeah. thing happening yeah. that was kind of cool. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Now, look, I've got... Okay. A question for both of you, the same mm-hmm. question to, to wind up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could select one take-home message for people to take away from your play, Merciless Gods, what would it be? And I'll start with you, Sepida. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, one take-home message, I think, would be to find that place with the work where beauty and violence are the same or might sit in the mm. same place. Mm. Wow. <laughs> and you, Stephen? Take well, like, home message. I think that that's the, it's the same for me, but it's also um, oh, I, I don't I can't swear on. The you can. You can. Okay. You can. We'll do a well, language, the language warning. warning. The, the language, language warning. warning. The thing for me is that there's a line in the the play that says, "Where does Jesus live? He lives deep in the sewers with us." And I think mm-hmm. that's the central thing that we're exploring: that we live in the shit, and there is a you know, and and uh, the shit can be celebrated. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, love I, your shit, basically. Yeah, love your shit <laughs> and roll around in it. That's right. And so, I guess, can I just say something about mm. the, what I mean by beauty and violence? Mm. It's mm. not about celebrating violence, but no. things might be perceived differently by different people. So it's really just about opening up your vision and mm. what may be violence one person may not be to another, or. Right. Or, so, cruel, or cruel, like, yeah. or yeah, yeah, mm. or, or depraved, or depraved, or depraved. Or depraved. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just wanted to talk about depravity like every week. I just, it's yeah. my thing. It's what I want to do. No, you not. see, it's sitting in quite an exquisite place for you. The right. depravity, isn't it? And that's that's what I'm talking about, oh, basically. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I said, "Oh God," as well. See, it's yeah, all, see? It's all there. Yeah. Stephen Nicoloso and uh, Sepadiah Kian, thank you so much for joining us today on 3CR. It's much appreciated. Thanks. Thanks and for Merciless having us. And Merciless Gods uh, opens July 25th at Northcote Town Hall. Yes. Yeah, and we're going for sure. We are. I wanted to play a Madonna track because <laughs> we were talking about it. Do you have a particular favourite? Deeper and deeper. Step- yeah. <laughs> That's both of our... Really? Both of you. I sang that this afternoon in rehearsals. Both of you have the same Madonna favourite. I'm well, burning up. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to find that. Like, it's, Oh, yeah, I found it. Cool. Of course, from Erotica. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, well, that's what we're playing, people. <laughs> on 3CR. This is Madonna.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.